0: The thing I miss the most about our home in Clarksville is the kitchen window. Not the pretty bay window that looks out on the backyard. And not one of the full-length windows that almost spans from floor to ceiling. Instead, the window I miss the most is completely unassuming. It's a simple window located over the sink. It measures maybe 30 by 36 inches. Once in a while, this westward-facing window would glow bright pink or deep red or an almost fluorescent orange with the unobstructed rays of the sunset. If this happened while we were fixing dinner, we would stop in our tracks. If one of us were washing dishes, we often called the other to come and see. But of course, the window wasn't always a brilliant light display, bright and full of life. Sometimes the window framed a dark gray sky full of ominous clouds. Most of the time, it was just ordinary, something you could pass by without giving a second glance. Still, looking back now, it was a sacred space, because even at its most ordinary, this window bore witness to the beauty and majesty underlying all that is, as well as to the promise of more sunsets, I suspect the same was true of that bush on Mount Horeb. Moses had probably walked by the bush numerous times before while watching his father in law's sheep, the bush not even registering in his consciousness. But in today's reading from Exodus, the branches are blazing. It's enough to draw Moses off his usual path. Once he's turned his attention to the bush, God speaks to him through it, saying, Come no closer remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And then, of course, God tells Moses that God plans to deliver the Hebrew people from oppression in Egypt and bring them to a land flowing with milk and honey, and to do all of this through Moses. I wonder what it was like for Moses to pass by that bush the following day, and the day after that. Despite the fact that it was no longer obviously aflame with God's presence, was it still sacred ground for Moses? On the days that followed, when the branches were ordinary, did Moses still trust that God was with him? And what about even later in his life? Like when Pharaoh responded to Moses by first making the people work even harder, having them make bricks with no straw, Or when, once free, the hungry wanderers complained that it would have been better if they had just died in Egypt. Or when the people made and worshipped a golden calf while Moses was up on the mountain talking to God. Or when Moses was so tired of caring for the people in the wilderness that he reminded God that he wasn't the one who gave birth to all these people in the first place. At these times when Moses was discouraged and tired and frustrated, Did he remember the bush and trust that God was beside him, still working in his life even though it might not be obvious? When no flame could be found, could Moses, in the words of Macrina Whitaker, read between the bare branches of his life and trust in the hidden presence of God? Theophanies like that of the burning bush happen throughout Scripture. Times when God's presence is experienced in very tangible ways through our senses. And theophanies happen in our own lives, although usually in less dramatic ways than those we read about in Scripture. Like when we hold a newborn baby, or witness an eclipse, or find ourselves on the receiving end of a grace we never even imagined. But let's be honest. There are also times in our lives when God seems to be absent. Mother Teresa, one of the most celebrated of all the faithful followers of Jesus, knew this feeling of God's absence. From September 1946 through October 1947, she experienced a calling that took place in several visions, culminating in a vision of the crucified Jesus in the middle of a crowd of very poor people He said to her, Will you refuse to do this for me, to take care of them, to bring them to me? This vision set the path for the rest of her life of service. But Mother Teresa spent most of the remainder of that life in a spiritual desert, a dark night of the soul which lasted for the better part of 50 years. She called out to God. She clung to Jesus. But it seemed that the more she desired an experience of the divine presence, the more God was hidden from her. In 1976, she wrote these words to a priest going through a similar period of darkness. She wrote, It does not matter what you feel, but what Jesus feels in you. You and I must let him live in us and through us in the world. Even when God seemed most absent, At some level, Mother Teresa trusted that God was at work in and through her. Now I hope that most of us won't experience a spiritual desert for 50 years, but there are inevitably times when God seems hidden from us. Maybe when we're experiencing the grief of loss or the pain of rejection or just those times when our spiritual practices seem rote and dead. Can we trust even then that God is present in our lives? That although we may not be conscious of it, God is at work in healing ways? And that the fruit of that presence may finally sprout and bloom when we least expect it? Can we have faith in the slow work of God? Can we read between the bare branches of our lives? This is, in fact the heart of what is called Eucharistic living. The recognition that we are in God's presence not just at the altar rail, but always and everywhere. Not just in those times when we feel a special warmth, but even in the coldest and darkest times of our lives. I think learning this is one of the gifts of Lent. Each season of the church calendar focuses on one part of Christ's story, on one part of God's work in the world through Jesus. And we see things for a time from that particular angle, from that point of view. During the 40 days of Lent, we are in the wilderness with Jesus. We take an honest look at our life, we do the hard work of discernment and repentance, and then we have to wait for Easter to arrive, trusting that God is working even in the wilderness of our life and of our world in ways that we may know nothing about. Lent is seeing only the night sky through the kitchen window, trusting that tomorrow the window will burn with the afternoon sun and a brilliant sunset. Lent is seeing ordinary or even bare branches on a bush, trusting that at any moment those branches may catch on fire. Lent teaches us to wait and have faith. The world is turning and somewhere God is lighting a spark, even though that work may be hidden from us for now. In short, Lent teaches us to trust that the ground on which we stand is still holy, despite its ordinariness or even its barrenness. For even then and there God is sowing the seeds of new life. So walk attentively. Be watchful. We never know when a flame will ignite even in ourselves. In closing, I want to share with you the poem by Macrina Whitaker that I referenced. She writes, My bare feet walk the earth reverently, For everything keeps crying, Take off your shoes, The ground you stand on is holy, The ground of your being is holy. When the wind sings through the pines like a breath of God, Awakening you to the sacred present, calling your soul to new insights, take off your shoes. When the sun rises above your rooftop, coloring your world with dawn, be receptive to this awesome beauty. Put on your garment of adoration, take off your shoes. When the red maple drops its last leaf of summer, wearing its burning bush robes no longer, read between its barren branches, and take off your shoes. When sorrow presses close to your heart, begging you to put your trust in God alone, filling you with a quiet knowing that God's hand is not too short to heal you, take off your shoes. When a new person comes into your life like a mystery about to unfold, and you find yourself marveling over the frailty and splendor of every human being, take off your shoes. When during the wee hours of the night you drive slowly into the new day and the morning's fog, like angel wings, hovers mysteriously above you, take off your shoes. Take off your shoes of distraction. Take off your shoes of ignorance and blindness. Take off your shoes of hurry and worry. Take off anything that prevents you from being a child of wonder. Take off your shoes. The ground you stand on is holy. The ground you are is holy.